You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for any type of battery from rangefinders to trail cameras to your truck, car batteries, anything, any type of battery that you can think of, visit your local Interstate Batteries retail location and talk with a battery specialist. For more information about the company and all of the batteries that these guys offer, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. gentlemen welcome to the michigan sportsman's podcast the number one podcast that covers everything from planting diy gardens to hunting big mature elk in the great state of michigan we will cover strategies tactics conservation efforts and much much more i'm your host james stevens so let's get this thing started and now we have rachel on the phone rachel how are we doing I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, well, let's just jump right into it. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself? I, uh, my name is Rachel Leitner, and I am a wildlife outreach coordinator uh, for the Department of Natural Resources Wildlife Division. And I primarily work um, in southwest and northern lower regions of Michigan, so I kind of got a, a statewide feel of, of wildlife. Perfect. And how did you, why did you get into that field? Uh, really because it just seemed like the perfect place to uh, have fun while working. Um, I grew up in rural Michigan hunting and fishing with my whole family. Um, and it just, like most people in this field, it was just tradition and pastime. And, I mean, I shot my first deer when I was 12 with my dad. So I've been an avid deer hunter since then. Um, I say avid, but really I've only shot seven deer, but I'm exceptionally proud of those seven deer. You should be. Um, I've, <laughs> I've just uh, I've been really fortunate to have uh, 
grown up appreciating Michigan's natural resources, and now my job is to tell people about how great natural resources are in Michigan and the cool stuff they can do on public lands and that they have public lands available to them um, to pursue a whole litany of natural resource interests. Uh, so I'm just super fortunate to be here to have this conversation with you. I love wildlife, and we have this great opportunity in Wildlife Division to protect uh, certain species and try to create biodiversity across these lands. And so for all of those reasons, uh, I feel super fortunate to work for the Wildlife Division. That's very, very cool. So let's jump into the coyotes. What, first off, what do you think the people of Michigan think about coyotes? Um, I know you you spread information out and, you know, you do a lot of things for the state and I'm sure you come into contact with a lot of different types of people. What's mostly the outlook of the actual coyote to people? Um, I would say that people's opinions of coyote and pretty much in wildlife in general really vary on the types of communities they live in. So if you grow up um, and you reside in a, a rural area where you've got you know open areas that you might consider natural areas and these are wild places, you're going to be acceptable to seeing coyotes and you know they're just part of your everyday life to see one run through your backyard. So it's very acceptable and it's just uh, a part of your day. But more and more as urban sprawl um, takes over and as we move into these areas that were once natural areas, whether they were prairies or forested, and now we're building cities in those areas, I think people can be more concerned when they see a coyote. Um, they might not know that the coyote just happens to reside very close to them, and so they may be concerned that they have a, a predator near their homes or in their subdivisions or in their place of business. And that's okay, too. Um, it's okay to have an inherent fear of predators, as long as you remember that they have very much inherent fear of you as well. So we should... You know, we, we can try to move towards more acceptance in living with wildlife, especially living with coyotes, because they are awesome neighbors to have, um, especially if you live, you know, in suburban areas with lots of houses. Lots of coyotes are great to have around you because they're going to eat the mice in your areas that you don't want in your kitchen. Sure. Um, so generally, some folks can, can have some fear of them, and that's okay, because you certainly wouldn't want to... Uh, you wouldn't want to coax the coyote into being your friend um, because they are a predator and wildlife should remain afraid of you. So lots of different attitudes about wildlife in general. Uh, but coyotes, you know, it just depends on where you're at and, and what you know about them. Have you ever had somebody that just was like, kill them all. I want them all out of here. <laughs> a lot of times um, I'll get a phone call from someone who just doesn't think the coyote belongs there. Um, so if they live in like a really nice suburban area, um, the coyotes just, they don't belong here. You know, I live here and I have young children and small pets and the coyotes don't belong here. And you, I can see where they're coming from. Um, you know, it's, it's a new animal they've never seen before. It's okay to be afraid of them. And so to those folks, if you are one of them or if you have these concerns, 
I think it's important for you to know that the coyotes are probably on the landscape before you and that it's your responsibility to learn how to live with the animals that were there before you. So there's lots of precautions you can take, uh, but, you know, we can learn to live with wildlife and coexist. So we're not going to kill them all. Um, it's just a matter of changing your attitude just a little bit. Right. So other than, you know, being, I guess, a, a nuisance to some people, what kind of problems do you think coyotes uh, bring to the state? Like, is there anything out of the ordinary, like, that's just kind of out of our control that's an issue that we can't change? Is there anything, any big issues with them being around? There's really not. So coyotes, um, they are a predator, and they're one of our last remaining predators on the landscape. Um, especially in the lower peninsula. In the upper peninsula, we have wolves, and so they're an excellent predator to have on the landscape. But in the lower peninsula, uh, we really only have coyotes. We also have bears and other carnivorous animals, but predators help us to maintain smaller mammal populations. So coyotes specifically are going to eat rabbits and squirrels and mice and voles, and all of those animals reproduce at high rates um, and have the potential to really increase their populations really quickly. And so it's vital for us to have some type of predator on the landscape to keep those population dynamics at bay. Um, should we become overrun with rabbits, none of our gardens would ever survive. True. <laughs> the flower beds that we spend so much time and money on, um, they they wouldn't survive a night because we would have constant deer and rabbits in them. And so it's, in addition to that, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but it's, it's so crucial. Mice want to move into your house in the wintertime. Uh, snakes want to move into your house. All of these little pests, things that we consider pests, want to move inside in your warm spaces. But if you have a coyote in your area, it's going to be seeking out those food sources. And so it can be highly beneficial um, to you and your neighbors to have your own natural pest control in your neighborhood. So really, I don't think there are many problems that are associated with coyotes other than uh, a fear that we have of them. We do have a lot of coyotes in Michigan. You can find them in every county uh, across Michigan, in the UP and in the Lower Peninsula. So we have a high abundance of them. And I and we have for a while. So it's not like it's this new uh, new increase that we're seeing and they're rapidly increasing. They are increasing, and that's just because more of them are born every year than are killed. Um, that's just natural population growth. But, you know, they've been here. They've been here for a long time, and you only see them certain times of the year. Uh, and so they're really just great for us to have on the landscape. Right. So if, let's just say somebody's never seen one, but for whatever strange reason wants, just says one day, hey, I want to go outside and I want to try to find one. Where, where would you start to look for a coyote? Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, like lots of other wildlife critters, things that are, uh, you know, natural-based areas, you're most likely to find a wild animal in. So while I would never suggest 
um, is seeking out wildlife species or uh, by any means approaching a wildlife animal, you are most likely to see a coyote uh, either at day or at the crepuscular hour, so dawn or dusk, um, early morning or early evening, that's when they're most likely to be out because they're going to be looking for food at that point. Um, but any type of wooded area or places that have low brush to them, uh, it's really common to see coyotes right now from January to March is their breeding season. And so even early January, we've, we've already started to see an influx in coyote spottings because the weather was kind of warmer this winter, um, and so their breeding cycle started a little bit earlier. So right now they're breeding and they're trying to find a mate, and so they're moving a lot because they can cover a lot of ground to try to find a mate. So if you were looking to find a coyote, um, go take a walk in an open area that's got lots of brush piles. And I say that because coyotes are moving around for one of two things. One, they're trying to find a mate, or two, they're trying to find food. Uh, most of their food sources lives in brush piles, like a rabbit or a mouse. And so if you're going to go find a coyote, um, just about any of those places, I mean, in, you can find them in urban cities too. So downtown metro Detroit has a coyote population, and those live under the underpasses of Detroit. So if you're bold wow. enough to go look under those areas, you'll probably find a coyote, but really populated areas you'd never expect. So here in Lansing, we've got coyotes. Uh, Chicago has an incredible population of coyotes as well as Detroit. So if you're out and about, you'll be really lucky to spot one, but they usually are there. That's incredible. So, all right, we take a walk, we find one, somehow we walk up and spook it but it doesn't run away and now we're face to face with a coyote what's your tips and tricks to possibly defuse that situation quickly sure this is an excellent question um, because you know these are possible things that could happen and so we have developed uh, this acronym and so I'll give you the acronym and hopefully you can remember it if not I'll give you a quick reminder at the end, but it's important to be coyote smart. Uh, the S in smart means to safe to enjoy them from a distance. So you want, even if you do see a coyote, you will want to try to keep a safe distance from them. Now, if you walk up on them and they're five feet from you, um, and that's obviously not a safe distance, but in your, if you're in that situation, the M in smart stands for make noise if they are too close. So the best thing you can do is make the loudest, most crazy noise you can think of to scare the coyote, which usually always works. Coyotes are very small, relatively speaking. They're typically 25 to 40 pounds um, and, and don't stand more than two feet high. So if you think about the size of a small German Shepherd, that's about the size of a coyote. Um, and they're very fearful of animals. They're, they're incredibly smart and adaptable critters, but they have this inherent fear of humans and anything bigger than them. So if you do encounter one, you will want to just put your hands above your head to make yourself as big as possible, um, seem as threatening as possible, as loud as you can, but don't take a step towards them. Don't try to 
chase them or run after them um, because that can that can trigger an, an attack mode, I suppose, or uh, they'll want to defend themselves if they feel necessary, but mostly you want them to just be afraid of you, so clap your hands, be loud. Okay. In addition to that smart, so the A, um, and this is just for in general how to avoid coyotes, the A stands for accompany pets outside. So small animals can look like a snack to a coyote. They feed on squirrels and rabbits, and if you have a small dog, they can't differentiate the two. So accompany your pets outside if you know you have a coyote in the area. The R stands for remove bird feeders, and these should be removed because they attract small birds and mammals, and that's coyotes' natural food. So if you don't want a coyote in your area, you will want to remove your bird feeders. Uh, and lastly, the T is to take in trash. Coyotes are really adaptable, and they're really opportunistic eaters. So if there's any type of trash or pet food, if you leave a grill out that's got uh, food, debris on it, all of these have great smells to them and will attract coyotes and a whole other arrangement of wildlife. So hopefully these tips hmm. will, you can proactively take them to prevent any coyote encounters, but if you do encounter a coyote, just be as big as scary as possible. Well, there you go. That's good to know. So earlier you mentioned that we have a growing number of coyotes. What what do you think is causing that? Just less hunting pressure or uh, more habitat? Are they just adapting very well? What do you, What do you think the main cause of that is? It's a little bit of all of those things. Uh, we have seen a decline in uh, fur harvesters and hunters and trappers of coyotes and other fur, um, other mammals for the last several years. And so there are less animals being taken through hunting and trapping methods. Uh, we also do a lot of habitat work that benefits a lot of wildlife species and because coyotes are so adaptable, our intended habitat management, whether it's for them or not, can help to increase their numbers. And also, even with urban sprawl and people moving into new areas, uh, the coyotes are so opportunistic with their food sources, they can coexist with people really well um, and often go unnoticed. I think a lot of people don't realize how many wild species they have living among them, even if you have a 12 by 12 backyard, you know, you still got wild animals there. And so all of these things can help to grow a coyote population, but not many of them are limiting the coyotes, um, which is ultimately leading to somewhat of an incline. I'm not sure the percentage of it, and I don't know, I, it's, I know it's not greatly increasing, but it is a gradual incline. Sure. So, right now is their their breeding season. How long do those coyotes, or I guess how do I word this, uh, how long are they pregnant for? When do their pups drop? Sure. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the females will get pregnant from January to March, um, and then they will seek out a den site. Um, at the end of March or after they become pregnant, anytime in that window frame, they'll find a dense 
spot. Um, and a den is what you think of when you think of den. It's generally an, an, a compressed area that is pretty well hidden that can shelter their pups from any of the elements. So oftentimes you won't see the den. Um, they can be really well hidden. But they will den until the summer. So come June or July, uh, pups will be born. And so you might see them, a lot of times if people are seeing coyotes, they are seeing them during the breeding season or they're seeing them right after the pups are born in June or July, sometimes August. If it's a, if they were, if it's a, a late labor, then they can be born in August. But people most likely will see them um, in the summer months. And then again, as the fall approaches, those pups will immediately disperse from their mother. So if they don't stick around mom for a year or so, they'll disperse from the den site to establish their own home ranges. Um, and those dispersing coyotes can sometimes be problematic for people because they, they're young and they're exploring and they will move into new areas and they don't know to be afraid of people yet or they're learning boundaries and testing limits and so Come this fall or really late summer, you might see some new coyotes that you've never seen in your area before. And again, the best thing you can do is to scare them off if you don't want them in your area. Uh, and that's crucial because that's the first time they'll come into contact with people. And so it's really important at that time to make sure to scare coyotes off, don't intentionally feed them, um, and, and take the proper precautions to protect your pet and make sure any potential food source is away from any area you don't want a coyote in. Okay. And how many how many pups will there be in that litter? In Michigan, they typically have four to seven. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's quite a bit. Okay. And let's just say at least one of those is a female. How how old does that female have to be to now be sexually mature to have her own pups? Um, it varies a little bit, but usually by the next year, she will be mature enough. Um, most of the time, the number of pups they have and when they reach sexual maturity is all based on nutrition. Uh, it's similar to other wildlife species or really specific to deer, to um, the, you know, the number of babies that a deer has really is dependent on the nourishment level she gets. So if she gets lots of nutrients, she could have triplets. And if she has almost new nutrients in her diet when she's pregnant, she will only have one fawn. Um, coyotes are similar, but they just have a, a higher birth rate. So if they are in an area where they have lots of food sources, uh, they can reach sexual maturity right around one year old, and they'll have more pups. And because they're such opportunistic food eaters and can eat just about anything, they usually all have well-nourished bodies and can um, have a really prolific pregnancy. Okay. So when they, they split off from the den, how far do they typically travel? It really depends on the kind of area they're in. So uh, coyotes that are in an urban area, because they're a little bit more of a tighter, confined space, their home ranges tend to be between two to five square miles. So they don't move terribly far. 
Uh, whereas in a rural area where they have a little bit more space to run um, and choose, have more choices in where they're going to live, their home ranges are a little bit larger and those average to be 8 to 12 square miles. So the size really just depends on food and the cover that's available as well as the number of coyotes in the area. So if there are more pressure to find better places, uh, coyotes tend to travel outside their normal home ranges to find a safe place where maybe a competing coyote isn't going to travel into. Okay. And it seems like, well, at least all the ones that I've ever seen, coyotes never stop running. It just seems <laughs> like they just run all the time. I would assume that they have to take at least a break at some point in their life. What, mm-hmm. like, where do they, like, bed down like a normal animal does? Or I should say it like a deer. Do they bed down? Do they, I guess, what would their bedroom look like when they do take a rest <laughs> yeah you're, you're right they're definitely high energy animals um, but they do bed down so coyotes are most active throughout the night um, throughout the night and throughout sunrise and sunset so while it would be normal to see a coyote um, during the day but if you see a coyote during the day it's really there's nothing to call the DNR about nothing to be really concerned about unless that coyote is acting really abnormal um, and approaching people or looks sickly. Um, It's totally normal to see a coyote through the day, but it doesn't happen very often because usually, you know, they hunt pretty hard in the early morning and late at night, and so they lay down through the day to digest their food and conserve energy. So during the daytime, they're going to be in their dens um, or wherever they feel safe. I think something that is sometimes strange to me, um, animals like to take naps just as much as people do. And so if an animal is tired and it feels like it's in a safe place, it can lay down and take a nap. We see this with deer a lot in, uh, like in city yards. A, a deer, especially if she's pregnant or if she's in a breeding season, she will just find a place that she feels safe and she'll bed down and take a nap. That's totally normal for wildlife to do. And coyotes will do the same. Most animals are just trying to eat, mate, and conserve their energy. So especially right now while we're in a breeding season, um, coyotes are running everywhere because they're trying to find a mate, but they do get tired. And so when they get tired, they need to take a nap to recharge their energy and find ways to conserve it. So... Sure. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So you said before we started recording that you wanted to get into the biology of it. Where, what, I guess, what's the most fascinating thing that you think about coyotes? What's the coolest thing about them? Oh, I was hoping you would ask me this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so coyotes are the most vocal animal in North America. Um, Lots of animals make noises, but coyotes have um, multiple types of vocalizations. So they howl and yelp. Um, They make sounds similar to what domestic dogs make, and they're all different. So all of their noises mean something different. They they have different interpretations, Um, but it's amazing. It's really fascinating. You can hear coyotes howling. 
um, in cornfields or in the middle of a city, but you can hear them. You know, you can't. You can hear a hawk screech every once in a while. Um, sometimes you can hear other critters kind of moving around in the woods, and we know birds chirping is really common, but nothing is more common or more vocal in terms of a mammal, at least, uh, as a coyote is, and I think that that's just the coolest fact. Yeah, that is pretty wild. They're, so they're more vocal than, say, like an elk? Well, I guess an elk is only vocal in the fall. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wild. I did not know that. Yep, they're considered the most vocal of the North American mammals. So. That's, that's a neat fact. They also, the other cool fact about them is that they're not nearly as large as what they might seem. Um, I have been searching for a picture of, like, a wet coyote, like one without its fur on it, because its fur is super dense and thick, and so that's what gives them a larger appearance. And especially in the wintertime, they can, they're their fur is like a winter fur, and so it's thicker, and it can repel water a little bit better, but their actual body size is really small. So I think that that's really fascinating. I think a lot of people um, can confuse a coyote with a wolf, um, and they're curious if it's a wolf that's in their backyard, but it looks too big to be a coyote, and most of the time it's a coyote, and they just are, you know, their hair is a little bit longer, um, or it's a little bit poofier, or it's in the wintertime, they're actually smaller animals, and it makes them just unusual how big their fur can make them appear. So around me, you usually hear them at night, and it sounds like there's there's more than one. You don't ever, around me anyway, there's never really the one just howls. How big are their typical, like, packs, I guess? And are, is that like a family group, or... Is that just a collaboration of the coyotes that are in the area? How, what's that really look like? Sure. So largely that depends on uh, the time of year it is and kind of what phase they're in. So usually a pack size is between 3 and 10. Um, it depends on the setting that they're into. So urban pack sizes tend to be a little bit smaller. Um, rural pack sizes can be a little bit bigger. It just kind of depends on really the amount of competing coyotes in the area. And so they have this cool dynamic. So in the late summer months into early fall, those coyotes you're hearing are going to be a part of a family group. And that's because they've got their babies. Um, they're, you know, the young are getting ready to disperse from the den. And so the mother is teaching them all things coyote and how to hunt and um, all the different noises that they make, but a lot of the time you're hearing them communicate, um, and so the, the members of the family are communicating with each other to teach the young what's going on. Uh, so in a, in a coyote pack, only the alpha pair in the pack will mate, and subordinates usually help to raise the young. So they do have a hierarchy when it comes to mating and when it comes to raising those pups. Um, but they do appear, coyotes often do appear to have a monogamous pair and they form really strong bonds with each other. So if you're hearing coyotes, it's most likely family groups communicating, unless it's in the breeding season. So right now from January to March, uh, coyotes will make a lot of noise trying to find mates. Usually they're solitary. 
because uh, male coyotes will compete for um, a mate, and so usually the most competitive mate will get to, or the most competitive coyote will get to mate. Um, and so a lot of times they're more solitary, at least bachelors are solitary animals, and so you might hear one or two, or you feel a male and a female communicating. But really it just depends on the time of year. Okay. So if if one was to maybe, say, want to get into hunting coyotes, where mm-hmm. what would you suggest them, like how, how would you start them off? Yeah. Um, so coyotes are awesome and they're great to have on the landscape, but we do need to manage their populations for biodiversity. Um, and so hunting is a great method for us to do that by. And so coyote hunters and trappers are really important to the dynamics of these ecosystems. And so if folks are interested in coyote hunting, there is ample opportunity to do so. We have a statewide season. So if you, um, you're interested in any month, uh, coyote season is always open, um, especially on private land. So you only need a, a valid Michigan-based license. Um, you need that base license to hunt anything in Michigan. So it also doubles as your small game license. And with that small game license, you can hunt, oh, let me pull up the whole really quickly because it's fantastic. You can hunt just about any small mammal in Michigan, including coyotes. Um, So I highly would suggest looking at our current hunting digest if you do plan on going coyote hunting. Just make sure you know all of the proper regulations. But you only need your your Michigan-based license unless you are planning to coyote hunt from November 10th through the 14th. Um, which has a lot of deer hunters in the woods. So if you are a deer hunter or a bird hunter or you're in the woods and you also want to go coyote hunting, you will also need to purchase a fur harvester license. Um, And that will give you permission to harvest a whole other group of animals as well. So there aren't really that many regulations. Uh, It's pretty liberal, and you have the opportunity to go out just about any month. We mentioned earlier you can find coyotes in nearly any county in Michigan. Um, you can hunt them at night as well. And there are specific regulations on if you're hunting them at night, um, you have to use a game call or a predator call. You can only use certain types of equipment that you can sometimes use in the daylight. So it if you're interested, make sure you refer to our Fur Harvester and Hunting Digest. But if you're looking for a fun, interactive way to start hunting, I would highly suggest uh, small game hunting or coyote hunting just because, you know, you can move around while you're hunting. I'm a deer hunter, and, you know, come December, it's really cold when you're sitting in the woods and you can't really move. But coyote hunting, you can walk around, you can talk with your friends. It's a, it's a good time especially with smoggy hunting. So. I know personally yeah. when after deer season wraps up and, and it's time to break out the coyote calls, I know it is it is a relief to me that, oh, I can get up and move. I can talk. I, can, I don't have to worry about my phone being on vibrate or, you know. It is just kind of nice. To, it's something definitely different because deer season is 
for me anyway, a second full-time job. Right. Yep. There's a lot of commitment to it, and I like the social aspect of it a little bit, too. Um, I like to, I have a lot of family members who like to coyote hunt, and it's just because it's something that we can go out and do together. You can do it in a small group. Um, And also, you know, you can do really cool stuff with coyote pelts. Um, And so that's a neat hobby to get into, and it's an awesome way to honor the animal after you've harvested it. You know, some people will eat coyote, some people won't, but a really cool way to honor the animal is to do something beautiful with their fur because they have so many colors in their pelts, and there's so many different variations of coyote pelts. A lot of them are really brown, some are all black, they can be gray. Um, it's just, just one extra way to connect to nature and just really have an awesome hunting experience. That's very cool. Have you ever tried to eat coyote? Uh, I once had it made into jerky, and my theory is if you can make it into jerky, it's probably okay. So it really was okay. It tasted like any other kind of jerky just because it it's a very tough meat because they are so muscular. Um, but they, in, in jerky form, it was fine. Really? Huh. Because I always thought that, too, was, you know, what – what do you normally do with them? I mean, I'm a very unsuccessful coyote hunter. Um, I've only killed one, and that was kind of by accident. So I didn't really know what I was doing with it, and it's my personal tradition. The first thing that I kill, i got to have it mounted. Well, it's, I'm not a trophy hunter by any means, but like my first deer is just a little six-point. I had him mounted. The first turkey I ever shot, I got him full-body mounted. And the coyote was the same thing. She was a really beautiful female. And everybody I showed or that seen the picture, they said, oh, you have to do something with her because she's just, she's really gorgeous looking. And I, at that time in my life, I really didn't know what I was doing. So I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. So I took her to the taxidermist and even the taxidermy said that that's one of the best coyotes that he's ever seen come through his shop. So Oh, that's so nice. Yep, it's pretty, and it, it's the people that come over to my house, um, my three-year-old little girl, she's now used to it. My chocolate lab, he's now used to it, but people that don't expect it to be in the living room, it usually startles them <laughs> for the very first time they see it. Yeah, it's got, they certainly have a wow factor to them, and they, I mean, any textured animal just makes for a great conversation starter. Oh, yeah. Yep. I have a mounted uh, taxidermied pheasant in my kitchen, and it's only there because it's a conversation starter, and it's super beautiful, um, and it's just a great way to honor that bird. So, I oh, absolutely. Congratulations on all of your animals. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, is there anything that you think we missed that you would like to cover? Mm. No, you know, I think we really covered all of all of the big takeaways. Um, the only, my closing comment, I suppose, is just that coyotes are wonderful animals, and they are valued by people uh, throughout Michigan for many things. So they're an extremely crucial part of Michigan's ecosystem. Um, Michigan has 
76 different types of natural communities across it. And so we are really fortunate to be able to see so many different types of landscapes and habitats here in Michigan that a lot of other places don't have. And coyotes are so adaptable, they can live in just about all of those natural communities. And so they are this awesome animal on our ecosystems, but they also are a great predator and we need them to make sure that they help provide biodiversity um, and to keep these food chains working properly. But they also make for great recreational opportunity and it's an awesome way to spend time outdoors, coyote hunting, a great sport. Um, a lot of people get new hunters interested in it, and that's a great way for them to get outdoors and learn hunting regulations and how to use hunting equipment. And so coyotes are great to have here in Michigan. And if you see them in an area where you weren't expecting to see them or you're startled by them um, or just naturally afraid of them, that's okay. Maybe look into them a little bit more or give us a call and we can kind of tell you what to expect if you have a coyote in the area um, or we can address your concerns because these animals are far more afraid of you than you need to be of them. And really they're just looking for a snack and those snacks are small wild animals. They're not your kids so you don't need to be afraid <laughs> that they're gonna attack children. That's very uncommon and it's not happened in Michigan in a very long time and it's not natural behavior of a coyote. So just uh, make an effort to learn to live with coyotes because they're great animals to have in your area. Very, very cool. Well, thank you, Rachel. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Sure. It's been, it really has been my pleasure. Um, I really enjoy this type of thing, so I appreciate you giving me a call. Absolutely. And there you have it, folks. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Uh, my notepad is full of notes after that one. So if you guys could uh, subscribe to this podcast, um, give me a rating or and or a review. That would mean the world to me. And uh, head on over to those social media pages and check out what I'm doing, kind of what I got going on. So and if you could like and follow those pages as well. I would greatly, greatly appreciate you. So until next time, see you.